Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. We are Needy Pintech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 156, recorded on June the 29th, 2021. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on NeedyPintech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. It would seem we are not alone today. That seems to be the case, yes. But we have invited the ones that are with us, at least. Oh, well, that's a good point. That is true. So this is the second special episode, if you will, uh, geared towards community. And the last one was done with Tomasz Kastrun. And Tomasz is back with us. Tomasz, happy to have you back. All right. Thank you. It's great to be back. And we also managed to um, hunt down one of the newest data platform MVPs in the community. She might be a new MVP, but she is not new to the show. So Haney, welcome back. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to be here. Let's just dive right in, shall we? I'm, I'm thinking motivations. Why do people decide to go into community? And that's one of the things that we, we had a discussion with Tomas about last time, but we, we wanted to um, dig a bit deeper. And you, you could easily construe that to why would any normal, any sane person want to spend an inordinate amount of time doing free stuff for people on the internet? That's that's basically what we do. So I'm I'm opening by asking you why why are you doing this? And then in in effect, why are we doing this? Because I'm I'm just as bad. But but Tomas, why why do you do this? Well, breaking the ice, yes. Of course. <laughs> um, I have to say that motivation in, in, in a sense of um, being engaged in community work, the way I see it is basically um, doing what I do um, and I'm good at it. So these two components, exactly doing what you are good at and, and that you have the ability to do it, is basically what motivates me, what engages me in the community. The other thing is, um, I can say also, some sort of aspiration, um, some sort of working toward a particular goal. It might be an expectation in terms of the event or in, ter in terms of, um, you know, user group or something like that. But then again, also building up the opportunity to learn something new, to engage in some new conversation, meeting new people, also encouraging others to participate to learn something new to sort of you know give praise to give thank you um, so I think this is what basically keeps me running um, you know all these years just giving back what basically you can extract or, or see in community and I think this is basically a sense the gist of what engages me what motivates me that makes sense. That makes all the sense. And uh, I'm going to come back to Haney, since you're the the newest member of the the community, so to speak. Simon, you've been at this for quite some time as well. Why why do you do this? I think that from the start, it was that I had things I wanted to tell others, things that I felt were important to me, and could be important to others as well. I 
usually, and that's a, both a good and a bad thing, I usually try to find solutions to problems or solutions to challenges. And by sharing my view and my way of solving a particular challenge, I could inspire others. Uh, either by like sharing something that they also could do the same way, or saying that, okay, this, this was a terrible way he did it. <laughs> so I can do it in the way I, I thought I would do it, because it has these pros and cons. So I think that's what really made me start. The other thing is that I, in practice, started not by blogging, but by speaking. I can still remember the first time I stood on a stage at an internal event with our former employer, together with a uh, now very, very famous uh, Microsoft manager, uh, and, and spoke about Windows 8. And that's where I started. And then blogging was more of a way of following up on what I spoke about. I know that others have done it the other way. But uh, for me, it was I was put in a place because I couldn't keep quiet uh, and I wanted to to make a difference for, for others, customers, colleagues, partners, whatever. Uh, and I think the third thing, which which I think is important to me to to have in this conversation as well, because I think it's sometimes it's it's not a positive thing to say that I'm I I want to get something out of this. And like uh, Thomas said, I, I want to meet new people and I love to travel. I love to visit new places. Uh, and Doing that while I was doing something I was very good at was one of the things that really helped me to keep going. Uh, and the essential bit of that is we are all very good at giving things away, our knowledge, our time. And I think it's reasonable that we can also give something back from the community, um, either by being invited to places uh, or by being allowed, like Thomas said, to speak at conferences, which we always have about speaking at and and that's a very good point and there is no reason that this should be a one-way street mm. and i would argue which i'm going to come back to that everybody has some motivation there is a driver and that driver can be just about anything but don't discount the fact that it's it's fun to be on stage mm -hmm. it is awesome to get applause so again we're, we're going to come back to it so Haney, you've been at this for a shorter time. What's your take on community and, and all that stuff? So I, I happened to start right before COVID hit. <laughs> <laughs> so I managed to do one, one live speaking gig and then COVID came and then I've just been talking at my laptop for the rest of the year. I've, I also started from the speaking point of view, so I... I haven't still done any blogging or anything like that. That is kind of the most natural to me. And for me, this whole thing seemed like a very natural continuation because I, I think it has to do with my background in teaching. Just there's kind of this need to be able to share the knowledge that I've been able to acquire. And also because I don't come from like years and years of IT background, but I come from a mathematics background. I kind of want to make the knowledge easy to understand for anyone, whether pretty much like I could go out and explain it to my 
grandma or whatever. Pretty much make it as simple as possible and really approachable to whatever a person's background might be. And of course, then that will allow to go into the deeper areas as well. Um, my, I think my main motivation is just because I get to do what I'm really excited about. Um, I, I've made making presentations really fun. I do doodles and that's pretty much what I like to do. I like to draw out the things that I'm kind of pondering about and trying to figure out at work. And it's kind of nice if I get to also share that with somebody. Like, why would I just keep that information to myself? Why wouldn't I put it out there for someone else to use as well? So I would say that's kind of my main driver. Yeah, reasonable. And um, I think, I, I know that uh, me, Simon, and Haney were MCTs. Thomas, you're an MCT as well, right? Yes, I, I was. Um, I didn't, I think, two years ago. I haven't uh, prolonged it, but yeah, otherwise, yes. Now, well, regardless if you have the certification, you still, you're, you're always going to be a certain certified trainer. You're always yes, going to be a trainer, yes, right? Yes. And so I, I, I started doing courses back in, oh, wow, 2001 or something, very, very long time ago. And I was heavily involved in the Oracle community by then. And Oracle is just like the SQL Server community, just the entirely other way around, because nobody would ever consider sharing scripts and stuff. Well, of course they would, if you paid them. And I found this to be very difficult to approach. It was extremely difficult to get into that community. We had the rock stars. I went to Oracle Open World in, in San Francisco several years, and it was the same people on stage every time, and they were revered. I mean, they, they almost had their darn fan clubs, but they were very, very seldom new speakers. That was almost unheard of. And then just one day, I literally fell over the SQL Server community because I was faced with a SQL Server issue, and I, I needed to find anyone who could help. And I was just blown away by the the way that people shared. It was the easiest thing ever. Of course, if you want to have the scripts. And if you have any questions, just hit me up. I was, I, it was completely unheard of. So that's when I realized that, okay, this is something that I want to be a part of. I didn't magically wake up one morning and know stuff. Well, I do know stuff, but not necessarily about SQL Server. And then came one of my biggest hurdles. I am absolutely horribly bad at blogging. It is like pulling teeth. Literally, I hate blogging. And then I, I see people like Simon or, or other people that just sits down and blurt, it's done. A fantastically created blog post. And I can just, I want to kill somebody when I do blogs. And that is not necessarily a good thing. So I struggled to find a way to share what I knew. Because again, blogging is, is terrible. I also struggled with why would anybody listen to what I had to say? And then that is something that keeps coming back. I have 25 years in this, but I still to this day think, why, why would anybody listen to me? And the thing that resonated was, well, it doesn't matter if it's been done a thousand times. It's not been done by you. And your voice is always going to be unique. It's a, it's a small voice in the back of my head, but it's, it's what 
what keeps me going. And just like Simon and I, I'm completely enabled to shut up. So I'm much better at talking than I am at writing. So when I figured out that I was fairly decent on stage and I'm fairly decent as a speaker and as a teacher, well, there we go. And again, I want to be part of this. Just think of the idea, the opportunities to share knowledge. That is super cool. So I want to turn that back. And how do you tackle this feeling of, do I really have anything to say? Would anybody ever bother to listen to me? Or are they just going to look at me when I'm on stage and laugh? I think that a very famous sports brand have a slogan that is just to do it. Uh, and I think that like you, you can have doubts before you get up on stage, but usually you end up in a situation where afterwards people come up to you and say, this was just what I wanted to hear. The challenge you get is that we, both me and Alexander, have once spoken at a conference which had more speakers than attendees. And if you have, I think Alexander had one participant at one of his sessions. Yes, uh, <laughs> and that was the sound guy. Exactly. <laughs> then, then it's quite challenging to get that feedback. Uh, but I, I think it's, like you say, it's it's always, if I just happen to say something or have a viewpoint or have an experience that resonates to one people or one person at any time during my talk, then that's enough. And I try to make it like entertaining as well. I, I can't do a boring session or I, I have been <laughs> told that I have done those, but I try not to do boring sessions. Uh, so at least you get a laugh from it. Uh, but yeah, I think like imposter syndrome or whatever we decide to call it uh, is something that is there and to some extent also shouldn't be seen as necessarily entirely bad at least because it also keeps us pushing and trying to do better things. It's just that we need to be kind to ourselves and say, I may not be as good as I want to be, but I'm giving back and people that are less experienced or not in my field of technology are finding it valuable and I can always improve for as long as I want to. Yeah, I I approach it very similarly, I guess, than what someone was just saying. Uh, I think whenever I do a session, I can see things to improve every single time. It hasn't happened yet that, that <laughs> I don't see anything to improve, and I highly doubt that will happen. So, and I think that's a good thing, because that that's what keeps pushing us and ev keeping us to evolve our sessions and our style and all that. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I I haven't had so much issue with this voice of like, like in the beginning, I was wondering, like, will anyone even want to hear this? But then I just decided, well, they're going to stop inviting me to speak at conferences. They're going to stop accepting my sessions once that happens. So I will know once no one wants to listen to me. So as long as it's kind of flying, I'll take it. That is hard to argue with, but yeah. that, yeah. If I could have a tenth of that security, I would be very, very happy. <laughs> All right, so, Tomas, what's your take on this? Yes, um, I definitely agree that we are, you know, 
absolutely different as a human beings and we approach you know a problem or a solution totally differently bringing back you know Henny she likes to doodle or Simon he's good at you know blogging and and Alexander you're good at um, speaking so I think you know that there there is no really a pattern in terms of you know in terms of what type of the channel what type of the media how you want to approach the community is just you know being aware of what you are actually good at and, and just, you know, minding your quote-unquote your own business and doing what, what you want to say to, to, to people. And I think, you know, if I would be approaching somebody who would be having issues with, um, you know, should I start or should I not start, I'm a little bit afraid, you know, this anxiety feeling and stuff like that, I would definitely address it, you know. You are unique to, you know, everybody, so why don't use your by you know just use your uniqueness and approach the problem or something you want to present or write or, or speak or you know film whatever the way you you want to approach it so it's just an open floor it's it's open to i don't know it's it's it's, it's like a comedy show you know where you get on stage and you start jamming you start you know just making things up and and, and it should be the same way as here you know it's that's how are you going to have people motivated, engaged? For sure. And, and then you've all been alluding to the same thing. It, it keeps pushing us. And just see, when Haney came on the, the scene with her doodling, <laughs> you, you kind of redrew, that was not an intended pun, uh, <laughs> the entire landscape. People just said, okay. I'm not going to try to draw anything again because Haney draws much better. That was what happened the first week or two. Then people instead turning to, oh, that is fantastic. I'm going to do the same thing. And that's kind of what's what we want to have at, at the end of the day. Uh, but it is so easy to just look at all the blogs and look at all the, the amazing artists and, and whatever and go, I won't ever be that good and just don't do it. But I, I think that when, when you said, Haney, that like we always find things to improve. I spoke at uh, JNUC, so Jamf Nation User Conference last year. And it was a pre-recorded session and I was there live chatting during the event. I had 1,700 people watching that session live. I had 160 people giving me uh, feedback after that. And I had a 4.9 out of 5 for that session. And when I look at it, I find like I'm not I'm look I'm not looking at the camera. It's terrible lightning. If you would have seen my studio in the middle of a total home renovation, I had a 20 meter long network cable running through like the entire house. Everything was just chaotic, and still I was able to get the best session uh, evaluation I've ever had, which which gave me so much like. Like, I was so proud and it really helped me at a fairly difficult time. Um, and I still could see ways of improving it. And that, to me, shows that it's what we're saying mm -hmm. and that we are saying something that is the motivation and, and what makes people come back and listen to us. Um, so I think that's, like, keep supporting the people you think provides value, even when we are not having our best day, uh, if you find what we are trying to say valuable. 
because otherwise we will end up in a in a place where we will have a very non-diverse group of speakers and i think that's something that we have been improving and it needs a lot of improvement moving on as well that we need a more diverse community because that enables even more people to be part of it uh, and i think that one of the simple things is that it's it's always fun for us to talk about really expensive things and really complicated things and we talked about that the last episode as well but what a lot of people need and what a lot of people in the world can afford is to sh- like free things or cheaper things or non-enterprise grade tools that are available so i think that's one thing that everyone that listens to this and are thinking okay I, i'm not as knowledgeable as this individual but perhaps you should talk about what you know because there will be other people that are at the exact same stage and needs that help yeah which which kind of brings me to um an interesting conundrum and we can use katrina wilhelmsen as an example she has done a ton of work for beginners she always gears her sessions or not all of them but but the vast majority are basic stuff she started on bimmel ssi as in bimmel and now she's doing adf and her blog posts series blog series on adf going from the absolute basics up uh, fairly high it, it is just legendary everybody and their cat are referencing that um, blog series including microsoft so Here's the weird thing. I see a lot of content on the basic stuff. Now, that's going to be the base of the, the, the triangle, of course, because there's where a lot of people are struggling and a lot of times people are asking the wrong questions, thus they're not finding any answers. And then on the other side of the triangle, you see the top part, the legendary level 300 or level 400 or level 500 stuff, more and more 400 and You have a fair amount of that. Where on earth is the intermediary stuff? Is it that I am not finding it, or is it not there? I'm. What, what's your take on that? I I kind of see it as it might be difficult to directly do intermediary stuff in a way, like it's like if you're doing really deep stuff, then you can make all these assumptions that people know certain things and kind of hop in a little deeper but I think with the intermediary stuff I think what is most successful is kind of what you were referencing with Catherine as well starting from the beginning from the kind of basics and then building up all the way to at least the intermediary level and I think in that case that works the best when you kind of build that foundation and I think why there's not so much content around that is because you have to think about continuity when you're doing that. So you need to either have a blog series or a longer day workshop or something like that. It might be more difficult to do in an hour speaking session, for example. That's an interesting thought. Thus, the, 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 the whole idea of the intermediary format is going to be much more difficult in a session than a basic or an advanced session. Didn't think of that. There you go. That's why I, I love doing podcasts. So a bit of a controversial question. 
And I'm, I'm saying this controversial because this is a very un-Swedish thing uh, that I'm going to ask you. Uh, Thomas, you're not going to have any issues at all. Uh, any, maybe. So are we doing this for the community or are we doing this for us? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a famous quote. Um, no. When you teach somebody something to are learning, meaning, you know, if you deep dive in something, it's you who's going to learn that thing, you know, to level 700, <laughs> and you're going to deliver the content to somebody from the level, let's say, 100 to 400. So it's, I think it's um, the the expectations that people are aren't aware of is that once you go deep dive and you and you want to you know tackle this middle layer area with from 200 to let's say 400 it's basically you also going to learn a lot on that and and i think i think this is a beautiful part of this community work it's just you know being i'm going to say it again being engaged in 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 this learning continuous learning cycle that just you know absorb new information, learn new, get some new stuff on, you try something, and then you have the ability to give it, you know, or to use it on a particular project, or just give it to back to the community as a, as a form of blog post, as a form of podcast. No, YouTube, Twitch, doesn't really matter. So, in essence, the answer to the question, are we doing this for the community, or are we doing this for us, is yes. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> we are doing it for both. Yeah, for, we are a community. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's something that you alluded to, Simon, going in that there, it doesn't necessarily need to be a, a completely giving perspective on things. We are, we are definitely taking something home with us, and in 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 my view, that's what's keeping us going. Uh, now, it might be something that you can uh, take with you, so to speak, as in, in, in um, specific knowledge, or it may be a feeling or in an experience, or why not a friendship? There, there are so many people that I've met through the community that I would not have met in a thousand years otherwise, and who I now consider to be my, my dearest friends. So the, the community gives so much back that is not necessarily strictly technical. And I think it also goes back to what we get back because i remember we we have been, both been to uh, or i think all three of us Heine and have been there as well or at least virtually in glasgow for the glasgow azure user group and and i still every time i'm there people come up to me and say okay have you traveled from sweden to here to deliver an hour long session you paid for it you're spending two or three days away from your family for a one hour here are you insane Yes. <laughs> yes, I, I may well be. But it's not just that hour. It's all the comments. It's all the discussions afterwards. It's about having that beer after the session with the community in Glasgow as well. And to me, that's way more valuable than the cost of plane tickets and hotels. I'm fortunate enough to have been able to do those travels Um and not everyone can, but to me, that's I'm, I'm giving away something that's not as valuable to me, and I'm getting a lot of things back. 
but I would, to answer your question, I would say that I, I would be lying if I were saying that I'm only doing it for the community. I met some people that have said that they are doing it 100% for the community. And I just think that they are then in a very happy place where they are not even thinking about what they get back. But I think we as human beings are always that's true yep. getting something out of mm-hmm. it we may not be aware of it but uh, and I, I like we talked about last time I was on a another stream with with Saraline and and a couple of other people from the community talking about personal brand and I also want to say that it's community it's for me and to a very little extent it's also for my employer because like that's I'm very free in my role and part of that is being very like openware with with what I do and what we can offer. Not marketing, but just saying that it's a good place to work. So it's it's a small bit is also about my company and and professional brand, so to say. It's not just about community Simon or personal Simon. Good points. Pretty much what I would have answered. Thomas took the words words from me. So like I I think that. Like, the main motivation is to share, but of course, while you're digging into something, as he said, it's like you're going so much deeper yourself and you learn a ton. And so you get a lot of knowledge out of it yourself as well. And even during this weird online time, which I do like meeting people in real life a lot, but still there's this sense of connection with a lot of the people I've been in contact with just through the community. And I think that's really interesting that it's possible even in this kind of off online time where we cannot meet face to face, there's still kind of this sense that there are people supporting me and like kind of encouraging me and all that. So it's kind of nice to know that there's support around as well. And that that is a very good point that I had not thought of. So Simon and I, and I'm pretty sure that Thomas as well, We've been at this quite some time. We know what it's like to go on stage. We know what it's like to go to conferences and and be part of the speaking gig. That has basically been taken away from us. And at least I am struggling every day with the fact that my life was just about yanked away from me back in March when the world ended. You have not had that experience just yet. So it is extremely fantastic to hear that you feel that the, the community is, is bringing you up and helping you out despite this pandemic. And it, it brings me to an insight. I think I am more focused on what I had than what I have. And that is something that I'll be bringing back to, to ponder uh, after this session. That was, that was a very, very good point. And since we are all teachers, um, the Richard Feynman method of teaching or learning, if you will. Richard Feynman was a, a Nobel laureate, a physicist that stipulated that the, the, the Richard Feynman method of, of teaching or learning is you learn something and then you go teach this to somebody else using the simplest words you can. And if you can't, well, that's the signal to go back and read more. Lather, rinse and repeat until you can teach. And that is... Connecting back to what what Thomas said, that if you're trying to do a level 300 session, for just as an example, it is going to force you 
not only to learn the three-handed material, you need to know the 400, the 500, and the, the side quests, if you will. The rabbit holes that turn out to be infinitely deep. Yep. And all the bugs in Azure Synapse Analytics, <laughs> just saying, <laughs> before you can go and do, do a, a proper uh, session. And that is, in, in my view, it is fantastic just being forced to find all these weird things and then suddenly you're you're found you're, you're gonna find that your 60 minute session well you have at least 90 minutes of material how the heck did that happen <laughs> and then you need to cut down so there is no such thing as i don't have enough material as, yep. as long as you go deep you're gonna have enough material that's a awesome point i wanted to address something which you basically just gave me a thought now is i've seen a lot of people or at least new community people having some sort of fear. You know, as you said, you know, if you want to present 300 level, you need to go all down the rabbit hole, side quests, etc., etc. And I've seen a lot of people having some sort of fear. What if I'm getting a question that I cannot answer? And we all had that. And I'm pretty much sure that we're going to have it, you know, many times in the future. And I think it's it's fair to admit that, you know, if you're the first time speaker or, you know, hundred times speaker, it is okay to say, I don't know. Yes. And this is something so simple, yet so positive, that a lot of people are totally afraid of it. And it's I think it's 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 fairly it should be fair to, to address that issue, especially for those who want to, you know, get themselves motivated or start, you know, speaking community. Yeah. And it's, I find it exciting. If somebody asks a question, <laughs> I don't know an answer to It's like, oh my, I didn't even think about it from that perspective. So it's kind of an opportunity to, like, you can look at it from that perspective. Like it's an opportunity to find out more. <laughs> and th this brings us back to something I think I said in the beginning this feeling of I'm going to go on stage and people are going to laugh me off stage. Has that ever happened to any of you? I mean, together we're probably looking at 50 years or something of, of speaking or training experience. Has you, have you ever been laughed off stage? Well, it's hard to know in the online scenario if somebody is just <laughs> <laughs> rolling in, <laughs> just leaving. And That's laughing. a reaction we are missing in teams. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm going to I'm going to be bold and I'm going to say no even when you know all the bloopers no. and all the projectors and and computer stopped working definitely no because you can sense that how the people audience actually are you know sort of encouraging you and and, and being very you know positive about that you are doing as, as Simon said you know oh so you're coming to Glasgow for 1 hour and you're spending all this money you know, and I'm, 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 and Simon, you know, I was quite happy that, you know, people started asking you that mm -hmm. because this is, for me, this is a sign that they appreciate mm -hmm. yeah. your time, your money, your value. If it, if it would be the other way around, I would be in a way worried, but otherwise, mm -hmm. you know, it, it hasn't happened to me that, you know, people would laugh, you know, behind the back no. or. <laughs> and, and I think I, I, I haven't been laughed off off stage. I've received really terrible reviews, and but at that point, I've also been very much aware that 
I've been delivering a session no one was expecting or something ended up completely mm -hmm. wrong. And I always come back to my one of my first sessions I, I attended at TechEd in Houston, where like two or three developers from the, the config manager team had been, had been given the second largest room of the entire event. And they stood there on stage and were like, why are people here? <laughs> but, and, and they, they started off with that, that we, we understand that most of you are here for the wrong reasons, because you are expecting us to talk about this topic, which was very IT pro centric. But we are going to talk about this, which is like down low code. This was DevOps before DevOps was invented closely. And and they said, yeah, we are perfectly fine with you leaving. And we just want to inform you. And they had 3,000 people when they started. And after five minutes, we were 300 left. Because everyone had <gasps> been given the wrong impression of the, this... But they did a brilliant session. But I always come, come back to that, that most of the people that leave or whatever are just, it wasn't what they intended. Uh, it's not mm. that you are bad or doing something wrong. Um, and I, I don't think I've ever had or seen anyone being laughed off, off stage or asked to <laughs> leave the stage. <laughs> no. uh, some, some people possibly would have needed that, but uh, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say that you get what you give. Yeah. If you go out on stage and, excuse my language, be an ass, mm -hmm. you're going to have issues. But it's, as long as you respect the audience and stay humble, answer, I have no idea. But let me check that mm -hmm. out for you afterwards. Then everybody is rooting for you. Everybody wants you to succeed. And and as Simon said, in, in many ways crappy feedback is still way better than no feedback mm -hmm. because I can learn from stark feedback that says you suck. Well, I can't learn from that, but I can learn you suck at X, then I can work with that. But if I don't hear anything that I don't know. So what I was going for as well was in the physical world, very few people take what we do for granted, in, in my view. Your experiences from Glasgow shows exactly that. In the virtual world, that is a whole different kettle of fish, especially with this gazillion online conferences that I've seen. Everybody and their cat goes, yes, I want to be part of this. I, I want to go to your session. And you're kind of impressed. You have like 150 people attending your session. Then the day comes and you actually do the session and you have four people. Mm -hmm. Ask me how I know. So in that way, I find that the online conference stuff, it really enables people to just ignore things that you cannot do uh, on in, in a physical world. Have, have you felt something similar or where's, where, what are your thoughts there? I, I've definitely been able to see this, but I also have kind of said that, well, if I take the mirror in my own hand and look at like attending online trainings, it's so much easier to get distracted by, you know, real work or something happening somewhere. So it's kind of, it definitely enables that being in the online world and makes it easier 
And it's just, it's kind of one of those things that it's just part of that online world in a way, I guess. And it's, I, I'm kind of thinking of it again. It's not like nothing personal. It's just kind of the setup makes it easier to get distracted and get drawn elsewhere. And I, I can't quite decide on which I think is is the the worst part: the fact that this is the way that people work, or the fact that we are accepting that this is the way that people work. Yeah, it it would be nice if it was different. But then I again I like I cannot accept others to act differently if I'm not able to do it. So no, 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 and and that's <laughs> a, a very very good point. Definitely, I'm I'm definitely no better than anybody else. But the it, it kind of brings home the point that the whole social media is well, it 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 does come with a few issues. That's for sure. We are getting close to the end. We are not there yet for <laughs> once, but we're getting close. So, would you want to add a few things or something that I have not covered so far? I had one thing about come to mind when we were talking about the motivations, because like in the learning side of things, it's often talked about, you know, internal motivation versus external motivation and how really internal motivation is the one that can keep us going for a long time. And if we don't figure out how to turn an external motivator into an internal one, we're probably not going to stick with something for a long time. And it just came to my mind that it, I think it's kind of similar with this whole contributing in the community thing. So kind of we're, I think it's okay to expect something in return and kind of have also that external motivator. But if we don't have an internal one, we're going to be left feeling empty and blank and uh, tired and exhausted over the things we're doing. So it's kind of really important to take care of that aspect and kind of remember why we got excited in everything we do in the first place and not kind of just get overwhelmed by all the external things. And it turns out that depending on where you are in the world, the the definition of happiness or why people are are considering themselves to be happy, that's very, very different. And the reason I'm, I'm taking this up is my wife is, is studying Japanese and parts of her studies are anthropology or sociology. And a book that she's reading is, is written by a Japanese author. It, it discusses the concept of happiness. And in Japan, it is a big part of being happy is being able to know that uh, you're uh, revered, you're appreciated. Pe- people are saying that you are a whatever you are. And that for me is an external factor. And the issue that I see with any kinds of external factors is that I can't control it. And I think that's one of the main reasons that I've, I've suffered so badly during the pandemic. Suddenly, again, all this cool stuff of going on stage was taken away from me. And I, I can't control that because I can't control the pandemic, but I can control my own emotions around that. So I, I totally agree with you uh, and there that internal stuff is, is harder to grasp uh, harder to to uh, pinpoint, but it's also going to be the thing that sticks with you. And I just wanted to add that if if anyone is listening to this, and yes, I think any, they are. <laughs> hopefully, uh, <laughs> otherwise we will have to find other motivators. I think 
but um, thank you for that. Now I'm completely off track. <laughs> yes. If you that are listening to this are thinking that I, I would like to contribute to the community, I personally don't care what motivates you. It can be money, it can be a name, it can be whatever. If you have a story and a learning to share, do it whatever drives you. The community will know if you're there just to sell things. But sometimes selling is also good. So whatever motivates you, don't feel that you have the wrong kind of motivation. If you have a story to share, if you have something you want to teach others or share, do it regardless of your motivation. As long as that motivation does not impede on somebody else, yes. I totally agree. And I, I'm sure mm -hmm. that was implied, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, in, in the SQL Server community, we have uh, Brent Ozar. Brent is one of the absolute legends of the SQL Server community. He's been at this for quite some time. He has never been shy with the fact that he wants to make a lot of money. The reason for him wanting to make a lot of money that's a different one because he wants to be able to take care of the people closest to him. And the way he figured he can do that was by earning X amount of money. And how to do that? Well, there we have the entire Brent Ozar industry complex, if you will. So yes, that, that's a definitely a case in point, Simon. I'm very, very well made. And I think the thing is that you can have both external and internal motivators. And that's definitely not in contradiction, but I, I, I think there has to be at least some excitement about what you do. <laughs> Otherwise, it can be kind of difficult to stick stick at it for long. And yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm sure a lot of people have felt what's the point during this pandemic. I have uh, more than once, uh, more than once every day. And <laughs> so. I don't know why or what I'm going to do to get out of that slump, so to speak. I'm, I'm just hoping that the pandemic will be gone and it'll sort itself out. But it, it's definitely driving home this, this um, phenomena of internal versus external factors. And it also drives home the fact that I don't know what internal and external factors that I have. And that is something for me to explore, which in itself is not an easy thing to do. I want to... And on top of that is, you know, the pandemic has reshaped our daily life and the way we live and the way we consume and stuff like that. But I think it also given us, you know, on the positive side of it, an opportunity to change something, to rethink how we are doing, yeah. what we are doing. And I think this is, you know, the right moment to just, you know, sit down and have a talk or a beer with yourself or look yourself into the mirror and, and start rethinking where I'm going right now from this point onward and which part of, let's say, a session or the way I do stuff I want to learn or I want to change or I want to return to the community. So I think it's also, in a sense, since it's, you know, it's sort of like a blocker, it's also, you know, a push you know, and it who's gonna, which is gonna open, you know, new doors and and new opportunities. So, in a sense, it's a beautiful way as well. Yeah, and I think for me, starting out, it has been much mm -hmm. easier to get to events to speak if they would have all been live. I think it's a bit more of a 
kind of threshold to take new speakers. So for me, it's been really kind of easy to get some momentum during this time and kind of, you know, it. I don't think this would have been possible without the pandemic quite in this extent. No, and that that's a very good point. The the flip side of of problem is potential. Yeah, the, those are very very true words. And now we are out of time. <laughs> Everything was going just perfectly, and then we found something else to talk about, which I think is a fantastic. Do you thing. remember my ignite session where I had? one minute to go on my session and asked, do you have any questions to my 900 people in the audience? Yep. And I saw the half second after that left your mouth, I saw your brain processing, what did I just say? And everything just escalated. That, that was a lot of fun. Yep. It went well. Did, did you learn something from it? I did. Awesome. And with that, we are out of time. I want to thank you all so much for this. This was an amazing discussion. Um, I'm really looking forward to uh, to mixing this and, and pushing this uh, out on, on Thursday in two days' time. Thank you again for coming on. It was great, and I can't wait to talk to you uh, again in the future. Have a good one. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode. Knee Deep in Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Abitzon and Simon Binder. If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at needypentech.com.